0: You, 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 you know the S E A. You know the S E A.
1: Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton.
0: And I'm Tristan Carcino.
1: And it looks like the University of Washington has a new football coach. There's multiple reports on Monday that uh, Athletic Director Jen Cohen has traveled to Fresno to finalize a contract with Fresno State head coach, Kalen DeBoer. Hello! And in a bit of symmetry to the last time that we did an emergency podcast with the University of Washington, hiring a new coach from another university, which was obviously Chris Peterson in 2013. Back then, it was the Robinson Cano News that broke simultaneously. Today, the Mariners signing another free agent named Robbie to an, in, an enormous deal, a five-year, $115 million deal for Robbie Ray, according to my wow. colleague Jeff Passan of ESPN.
0: There we go. There might even be more news we're tracking about the Mariners as well, if, if all of the, 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 the rumors are true in the, in the chatter. But- Th- that one worked out a little bit better for the Huskies than it did for the Mariners.
1: I just wanted to note that Chris Peterson did a full six years as the Husky head coach. R- Step down, you know, retire. Two years without Chris Peterson. Still two years left on Robinson's <laughs> contract.
0: <laughs> uh, well, so you mentioned that hiring, which is really funny because that's definitely not the hiring that this most reminds me of. And for the hiring that this most reminds me of and why I am... I, full of hope. Once again, we'll be talking on this week's regularly scheduled Pelton cast about why maybe there should be hope is, you know, what hiring this one most reminds me of. And you got to look a little bit further back to when we saw things a little bit darker than they were when the or when the Huskies were hiring Chris Peterson. And that of course is the Pelton cast goat Steve Sarkeesian. (laughs)
1: He's the he's the Pelton cast goat now. That's that's yeah. the status he's achieved.
0: Earned that title,
1: and, and I, another- I still think Chris Peterson is, is my my goat. As far as husky coaches during the Pelton cast era. I'm this sorry, one, Sark. This one has a little bit
0: more symmetry with the Sark hire, though. So uh, with this hiring of Keelan DeBoer, it's kind of interesting because we ironically we're tracking his entire most recent season weekly without even knowing it that we were watching the next Husky head coach as we were monitoring Jake Hayner weekly.
1: That is accurate. Yeah. And I guess also I'm I'm sure part of what you're pointing to is look, when they hired Chris Peterson, the Huskies were coming off their – Best season in a decade at that point, which is what enabled Steve Sarkisian to be in position to take the USC job, as opposed to when you hired Sark coming off an 0 12 season. And while well, the Huskies did not go 0 12. They also didn't have their starting quarterback get injured in week three this year. So I think you can actually make a case that this season was a greater program failure in some ways than the 2008 season was like, if you look back at all the low points of the Tyrone William era, it was exclusively when quarterbacks got injured and Dylan Morris was healthy this entire season. And so I suppose was Sam Heward.
0: I think you can look at the symmetry of even if maybe this was a more disappointing season, it is a team where there's a lot of talent and with the right coach, you feel like somebody can come in and take the talent that is on this roster and help usher them forward to much better results than we saw this season.
1: Let's let's just hope for better results. I, much better seems like a lot to ask. Oh, at I'm blown
0: past better, oh, baby. No. <laughs> I am all in on Kalen DeBoer.
1: Okay, so we talked a little about Kalen DeBoer's resume a couple of weeks ago when we highlighted potential candidates to replace Jimmy Lake. He was a logical candidate, kind of checked all the boxes in terms of offensive background, which is something I think we expected UW to prioritize in this coaching search, experience coaching and recruiting on the West Coast, head coaching experience, which is an important contrast to after promoting Jimmy Lake as an assistant. So all of that, I think, checked out, but we didn't go like way back into his archive. We mostly just talked about the Fresno State part of his resume, but this is also a championship coach at the NAIA level. Hello. In his, at a very young age, in his 30s, took over as the head coach at his alma mater, Sioux Falls, and led them to three NAIA championships in his five years as head coach, winning NAIA coach of the year each time. Then decided to move up to the FBS level, first as the offensive coordinator at Southern Illinois, then Eastern Michigan. And really, I think when his career went into overdrive is when he teamed up with former UW consultant Jeff Tedford at Fresno State in 2017. So if you look at the Southern Illinois and Eastern Michigan track record, there was some improvements there. uh, And then those offenses both slipped dramatically in terms of FPI efficiency, which is the measure I look at after uh, he departed those places. But we're still, still talking about they peaked at 80th at Eastern Michigan 82nd at Southern Illinois, because you weren't working with that same kind of talent at Fresno state, where you're at least, you know, in the, one of the higher of the mid major, I guess, FBS conferences, uh, he and Tedford come in in 2017 team was previously 127th in FPI offense. They improved to 61st in 2017, 35th, the following season which earned DeBoer the offensive coordinator job at Indiana moves up to the power five for his lone power five coaching experience before taking the UW job. And again, a turnaround, they improved from 45th in FPI offense the year before he was hired to 17th. Uh, and that was his loan season in Indiana because then Jeff Tedford had to step down due to health reasons. And DeBoer comes back to Fresno state as his replacement as head coach, the Indiana offense collapses 62nd in 2020, 102nd in FBI efficiency this season. And Indiana actually was just in the news because they fired his replacement, Nick Sheridan, over the weekend. So at Fresno State, not the same kind of immediate impact. They were about the same offensively in 2020 as they were in 2019 with Tedford, but not DeBoer. Uh, But then 66th and 67th, but then rebounded to 45th again this season with Jay Kaner at the Controls.
0: That Indiana season is that right there is what's getting me excited. <laughs> and and we've seen one season can matter a lot, right? We saw one season of of poor play from John Donovan. That was at Ohio State where he was Andrew, or I'm at, sorry, Penn State. Penn sorry, not Ohio State. Penn State is what I meant. That's that one season at Penn State of bad coaching meant a lot for what Jonathan, John Donovan was down the road. The one season for Jacob Eason at Georgian told us more about who Jacob Eason was as a quarterback at UW than the potential. Look, we'll talk about the one game of Sam Heward, but we'll talk about that later tonight on on the regularly scheduled cast. But this one season at Indiana, we're talking about Indiana's football team. Have you thought about them since Anton Randall L.? like? <laughs> Turning them into the second-best offense in the Big Ten in one year there is an incredible feat. And we, we don't know a lot else about what Kalen DeBoer will do in any other capacity.
1: We know that this Husky team is going to score some points. And that's a welcome change from the last few years here. I mean, there's a great defensive tradition at the University of Washington. When you think of the best UW teams, of our lifetimes, they've all been built defensively, but after this season and the offensive collapse that we saw, we're ready to see some points.
0: Let's see some fucking points, right? We want to see UW Baylor in the holiday bowl, right? (laughs) Like, I don't care about the defense at this point. We have sat through that team for two seasons. We do not want to see that again. Let's just put some points on the board and everything else will figure itself out. Because the one thing that we know that is reliable year to year in football is offense we do not know the same thing about defense
1: and I think having, that's maybe a little less true at the college level than it is at the nfl level because scheme and you know you can just keep bringing in quality players at the same position if you have a tradition as we've seen in the uw secondary in particular
0: you can keep winning with offense forever though and that that's what drives football in the year 2021 so somebody who is offensive minded is it is a welcome change. And I think it's very similar to what we saw with the transition from Tyrone Willingham to Steve Sarkisian is somebody who had experience as a quarterback, as an offensive coordinator, who is an offensive minded coach who is there to turn that offense around. And I think that is precisely what we're looking at right now. The, the Huskies, they did hire somebody with a little bit less head coaching experience than maybe we would have anticipated coming off of the two years with Jimmy Lake. But They went out and found somebody who is an offensive-minded coach because everybody in that athletic department for UW feels the same way. They want to score some points here, and we can see that there's still talent on this defense. If you can marry a good or average defense to a very good offense, that is a very good Pac-12 school.
1: So let's talk a little bit about DeBoer offensively. First off, he gave up his play calling when he took the head coaching job at Fresno State. turned it over to Ryan Grubb, who had been the offensive coordinator at Fresno State in 2019 after he left. They'd worked together dating back to their Sioux Falls days. So Chances
0: he comes to UW.
1: Either he becomes the head coach at Fresno State or he comes to UW. It's I think 100%. those are the two scenarios.
0: Yes, if he's not the head coach.
1: So that that's a very likely, and I, I liked this. He was asked by uh, footballscoop.com, about his offensive philosophy uh, when he was first becoming the head coach of Fresno State said, it's about being efficient. When I say being balanced run to pass, it doesn't necessarily mean we are going to have the same statistics, even in attempts. It means that we can run the ball if we have to and throw it if we have to. Even this last year at IU, we were heavy, heavy in the past, but there were times that you could tell people were trying to take that away and we still had schemes. We still had things that we could do in the run game that got teams to have to respect that as well. Uh, this past season, they threw the ball fifty-seven percent of plays, a rate that would have ranked third in the Pac-12, oddly wow. just against UW, who threw the ball a lot because partially because of game script.
0: Fifty-seven percent would rank third in the Pac-12.
1: Yeah, USC and Stanford were the top two. That was a very run-heavy. USC
0: and period. Stanford.
1: Well, yeah, it's run. It's game script. If you're losing, you're going to pass I the know, ball more. I know, but still,
0: just God, Jim Harbaugh, man. <laughs> Rolling in his grave, hearing about Stanford passing the ball that much.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, he is.
0: He's like, it was out of three tight end sets at least, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the passes were to a fullback, correct? Jim Harbaugh had bigger concerns this past weekend. It was wearing sunglasses in the snow.
0: <laughs> uh, but th- would rank third in the Pac-12, I think, is a number that we'd like to see. But, and especially with the perspective of you don't need to pass the ball, especially in college. The If they have a balanced attack, we've seen this Husky team this year, probably a better passing team than a running team. We would just like to see some competent running of the ball.
1: Let's talk about the Jake in the room here, which oh, is yeah. the question of whether Jake and coming off. This week, we'll do the Jake Hayner update here. 27 of 36 for 343 yards, four touchdowns. is Fresno State beat San Jose State 40 to nine on Thanksgiving in DeBoer's final game. Presumably, I don't know if he'll coach. I would doubt he'll coach the bowl game. His final game, presumably as head coach. Can jay Hayner transfer back to UW? The answer, it appears, is likely no. He does have a year of eligibility remaining, but so one of the things when the NCAA reformed the transfer rules and made it unlimited one-year free transfer without having to sit out this past year, what they also did was basically take off the immediate eligibility for a grad transfer if they don't meet that criteria. So it used to be kind of there was there was a loophole. I mean, you could say the whole grad transfer thing is a loophole, frankly, but if you transferred as an underclassman, sat out, graduated on the normal four-year timeline, you'd still have that one year of eligibility remaining and as a grad transfer be immediately eligible as a transfer. So you'd kind of buy one transfer and get one free. They took that off the board now. The only way he would be immediately eligible is with an ex- uh, hardship exemption. And if he didn't get that because the, the the clock on how long you're able to play, even though that's a year longer now with the COVID year, it still would take him outside of that. So he's, Jake Hainer is almost certainly not coming back to UW. I,
0: I, I love the consideration of Jake Hainer returning to UW. What I care about more is the progress that Jake Hainer made under Kalen DeBoer. And it's not about necessarily finding the same Jake that we had. It's about turning the players who are on this roster or who are not on this roster into being some of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. It's about Jake Hayner, who is somebody who lost the job to Jacob Eason, who was a, I believe, a highly recruited prospect coming into college. You hate recruiting more than anything, so strike that from the record. Oh, I've, but, I've got some recruiting takes coming. Oh my God, do
1: you? I gonna, we're going to save those for the regular pod again.
0: But it's about coaching more than it is about recruiting, and that is to say, Jake Hayner a lot of players were recruited at the same caliber that Jay Hayner was recruited. It's about taking a, a quarterback at Fresno state and having them at the place where they're completing sixty-seven and a half percent of their passes, throwing 32 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Sam Heward had more interceptions than that. And it's one start, if you can believe it uh, and throwing four thirty eight hundred yards while being efficient, like that is, he had one of the better seasons in college football this year. And you have to give some credit of that to Jay Kaner, but also credit to Kalen DeBoer, putting him in good positions. And can he do that with these players that are currently on the roster or somebody who's not on the roster? It's about more than the process than it is about Jay Kaner himself.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that, certainly. Although if he could have come back, it would have been very exciting. All right, a couple other notes here on DeBoer. First off, uh, my ESPN colleague, Adam Rittenberg, who uh, reported over the weekend that DeBoer was picking up steam, said also in that update that uh, Jeff Tedford uh, at age 60, ready to return to coaching after recovering from a heart procedure. So it's unclear whether, you know, what kind of level of involvement he's thinking, but it would be interesting to see if he were back involved with the UW program after that time as a consultant during the uh, the CFP season. Uh, We should talk a little bit about DeBoer's DeBoer's recruiting record. There's not a lot to go on there, frankly. Uh, Their 2020 and 2021 recruiting classes, the the former of which he would have just been wrapping up after taking over for Tedford after that season in Indiana. They both ranked fourth in the Mountain West Conference by the 24-7 Sports Composite. They were third in 2019 under Tedford, but fourth is really about kind of the average of where Fresno State has sat historically and probably should be when you look at them relative to those other programs. So that's, I think, the big question mark is we haven't seen him recruit at a power five level.
0: I mean, it's it's an opportunity issue more than it is about an experience issue,
1: and he- it's an it's an uncertainty issue. I mean, but I think what people are going to do, and so some of the other reporting, like Varela of the Seattle Times reported that the Huskies made a run at Matt Campbell from Iowa State and offered him more than seven million annually, so they were willing to give him a raise. On what we talked about last week was substantially more than Jimmy Lake was making as head coach. Uh, that was not enough to pry him out of Ames, Iowa. And getting to take (laughs) this job.
0: When you say it that way, Uh, uh, I'm sure it's a lovely place, in Iowa.
1: But I think people overstate the certainty that, you know, even someone like Lincoln Riley going to USC, the certainty that that's going to work out. I mean, are the odds very good that that's going to work out? Sure. But the odds seemed good that it was going to work out when they hired Lane Kiffin as a rising star in the coaching industry, brought him back there, or Steve Sarkeesian, based on what everyone knew publicly of his time at UW. It seemed like it was a no brainer that he was going to be successful at USC. And those didn't work out because of the fact that every coaching decision is a risk.
0: Uh, Lincoln Riley is going to work out, but I would say with a pretty high degree of confidence that Lincoln Riley is going to work out at USC, but that doesn't mean that Kaelin DeBoer is not going to work out at UW. And I think ultimately what we're seeing is a shift back in the PAC 12 to the power teams remaining to be the power teams of the last couple of decades. You know, USC has been down for too long at this point and being able to go out there and make a big hire, like Lincoln Riley, is a huge move for USC. And they're going to be the power of the Pac-12 South. And hopefully, with Kalen DeBoer and Oregon as well, UW and Oregon are going to be the powers of the Pac-12 North. And I think, ultimately, if this is the right hire that it looks like it is so far, there's a lot of unknowns at this point. But if Kalen DeBoer can turn this program around, focus on the right things to focus on as a program, We're looking at a team that should be competing for the Pac-12 North championship and probably will be playing against teams like USC for the next decade.
1: I, you know, when it comes to recruiting and analyzing coaching hires, I go with the William Goldman max. this was about a different industry, but nobody knows anything. I mean,
0: that's, that's the thing about recruiting is I don't, it just doesn't matter how Keelan DeBoer is recruited so far. He's had two seasons to recruit as head coach, like in a pandemic. And if he'd recruited that well at Fresno state, I would say that there was probably something off like (laughs) what he is, what he is going to do is he is going to, man, this is very hopeful. I'm way more hopeful than I thought I would be, but he is going to take whomever is the quarterback at the university of Washington next season. And he's going to make them a better player. And that is the most important position at the school. And it is more important than basically anything else is having your quarterback be a better player, putting them in the proper position to succeed. That's what translates to recruiting. Being able to coach is what translates to recruiting. It yeah, is you, win,
1: you win the games, the recruits will come. And if you don't is, win the games, it doesn't matter how good your recruits are.
0: Exactly. There, there is no coach who is a good enough recruiter that they can be a bad on the field coach and, and still be successful. So ultimately... It just doesn't matter how he's going to recruit. Maybe these first couple of classes won't be that great. In the end, if he is successful as the head coach, coaching the football players, winning games at the University of Washington, the recruits will come.
1: Should we talk for a minute here about Robbie Ray? So today I learned that he won the Cy Young Award in the AL this past year.
0: Did he? We the pitcher sign him? the Cy Young <laughs> I just heard his name today. <laughs> me, me too. I literally never heard of him. I was like, well, wow, uh, the mayor to sign Rachel Ray? No, okay. <laughs> Robbie uh, Robertson?
1: Went 13-7 and seven with the league leading 2.84 ERA, posting 6.7 war to rank first among Yale pitchers, according to BaseballReference.com. So Ray had one similar season to this in 2017 when he was an all-star for the Arizona Diamondbacks and had 4.7 WAR, but then totaled just 2.1 WAR over the following three seasons, bottoming out in 2020. After which he re-signed with the Jays on a one-year, eight million-dollar deal last November. So a substantially different market for Ravi Ray a year ago. He attributed that decline in 2019 to trying to change his arm slot early in the 2020 season, We've and all been then there with
0: our arm slot
1: some additional mechanical changes during 2021 that really worked wonders along with simplifying his arsenal uh, and basically focusing in on a four seam fastball and a slider His K rate went way back up last season to where it had been prior to his injuries. His velocity was up as well. And then his walk rate, which had historically been a major weakness, was the lowest of his career by a wide margin. He also, notably, uh, his batting average on balls in play, which had been over 300 the previous couple of seasons, took a huge drop to 267, which is uh, not something that is necessarily sustainable, especially for a pitcher who turned 30 in October, although no real history of serious injuries. I got to say... This strikes me as having like a lot of red flags of Mariners signings. Let's
0: fucking go. <laughs> uh, you were, were hiring very... people. We're hiring people who have one good season here, and we are hyped on it.
1: You were you were very anti the Mariners spending money on a starting pitcher when we talked offline yesterday. When you thought that they were trying to sign pitcher Marcus Semien, <laughs> it's unclear exactly. Who you thought you were talking about with the Rangers signed Marcus Semien, who is not a pitcher. He is an infield, middle infielder. <laughs> Marcus Stroman is a pitcher, did not sign with the Marys.
0: Oh, did he sign elsewhere?
1: Well, he, I mean, I think they probably only going to sign one front-end starting pitcher to a massive contract. The rest of that save. money is saved for Chris Bryant.
0: And Javi Baez, both. I mean, there's a say there's Suzuki. Lot, there's a lot of money going around in the AL West, and it, it, it's feeling eerily similar to the uh NFC West right now with the amount of players yes. that are signing all of the best players in the league plus the Astros still lingering uh, but you know what competition is great uh I love my competitor cuz they make me compete what we didn't talk about here with Kalen DeBoer was something that you posted
1: yes that's right I, there was a reference one reference i went obviously in search for Kalen DeBoer pyramid this morning and there was a quote from him in a uh, local news story talking about finishing being part of quote our program pyramid That's the only thing he's mentioned about it, but that's good news. There is some pyramid out there in place.
0: Somebody is, somebody get this man a pyramid. Pyramid, help fill it in. This also feels like a bit of a Chris Peterson hire as well. Like
1: he was clearly very involved with this,
0: involved in the search. Clearly had faith in Kalen DeBoer. Not that he didn't in Jimmy Lake. You know, he's somebody who basically handed off the program to Jimmy Lake. And ultimately what happened with Jimmy Lake, I think was an unfortunate circumstance. And I, I don't know if long-term it necessarily is going to, I think this is going to be the lowest point of Jimmy Lake's career. And I think he will bounce back and he will be a coach again. It just was the wrong team at the wrong time. And it didn't make a lot of sense. And I think Kalen DeBoer, as somebody who's coming in, does make a lot of sense with this particular hire. We can see the symmetry between those two seasons. And I think, you know, very quickly, Steve Sarkisian got football at the University of Washington exciting again after a bit of a down period and a, a season that felt as depressing as this current season felt to, to go to come off that Apple Cup loss into knowing who the coach is going to be for the program and transitioning this program. It really takes away the sting of that loss. And it really, to me, ultimately we're, le- we're left with excitement about the program and what this is going to mean. We could think about who the quarterback is going to be and what they're going to look like. You know, that's not something that we've really had in the past. And I think we knew under Jimmy Lake and especially under John Donovan that it was not the focus in the same way that it is. You know, there's not somebody who with Jake Hayner's pedigree is one of the top 20 quarterbacks in all of college football. And if you can take somebody like Sam Heward, maybe Dylan Morris, maybe a complete unknown who's not on the roster right now. And with that talent that they're coming in with probably more pedigree than, than Jake Hayner had, if you can turn them into a top 10 quarterback, like that is, that is something that we have to be pretty excited about.
1: A top 10 quarterback is pretty optimistic here for the record. Jake Hayner was uh, 45th in the country in QBR this year.
0: 45th in QBR.
1: Yeah. I mean, once you adjust for the level of competition, that, that takes underrated,
0: radically underrated.
1: Okay.
0: Is he, is he not? Jake had a monster season. He by, had a great season by ESPN's quarterback rating, which who knows how much we should trust that he was it, either way. He was so much
1: better than Dylan Morris was. I mean, there were no pac 12 quarterbacks in the Tac 10 nationally this year. So if UW gets to that point, yeah, we're in really good shape. That so.
0: I, I think we have to be excited about it. Spencer Rattler.
1: Uh, I'm not counting on it, you're, you're I, not I, putting I would, that
0: in the, in, any chance fun. rule,
1: uh, any chance rule. Yes. I'm not counting on it.
0: You, Kaelin DeBoer is just like, here, here's what I did with Jake Hayner.
1: You are aware we're going to spend the entire podcast tonight talking. Well, we'll see what happens in the Seahawks game this evening. That may change the tenor, but we're, we're planning to spend it talking about the Seattle sports curse.
0: Okay. I, I'm too. I, this is why I got to get the excitement out here. Later, I'll be down.
1: Oh, well, I'm ready.
0: I'm fucking hyped on. We spent a whole year talking about how we wanted to be Fresno State. And now we have Fresno <laughs> State's coach. Uh,
1: Could there have been
0: anything I, better? We spent one full season with uh, updating on what was going on with Fresno State's quarterback.
1: If you, I mean, they didn't actually play him, but if you can't beat them, become them, I guess. I don't know.
0: Galen DeBoer. Let's go. Also, also I, I do love that he's not young in age necessarily, but he has not been around forever. He's somebody who's a very fast riser. You know, you look at that Indiana season into a couple of years as a head coach at Fresno State to UW. He's somebody who is rising quickly. And I think UW, if, if he can, if he can get the team coached up, could be a program that he's willing to stay at for a chunk of time. I would agree with that. So I, I'm excited about it.
1: All right. I'm excited, too but more cautiously than you are, clearly. Let's fucking go. On that note. Thanks for listening. Thanks.